Yeah, that's that's the that's the transition moment. Where are you? No, I just want someone to talk to. Welcome to the Hats All I Know podcast. Your host Chris and David. If this is your first time with us, welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome back, and you know the drill. We are through four random facts that we each find interesting throughout the past week, starting always off with a hat fact. David, what's our hat fact? Hat fact involves the uh, a former icon of Disney's, one of Disney World's parks. Okay. Give you a hint. It's not the Tree of Life oh, okay. in Animal Kingdom. It's, it's Epcot. It's not the semen ball. <laughs> it's a golf ball? It, it's a ball made by semen. <laughs> the, the, yeah, it's... How is it a former icon? Because it's no longer there. Oh, okay. It got removed in 2015. Why? Because it... Okay, so it's Disney's MGM, now Holly... Or now Disney's Hollywood Studios, and it was right in front of the Chinese theater, which it was also supposed to be temporary. Well, that's how most icons form is it's temporary and we just don't take it down. Yeah, it, it, it lasted from 2001 to 2015. Technically, they, since it, you know, did end, it was temporary. Yeah, sure. Apparently, when they were putting it in, people were like, well, they just put a, a crap ton of pipes and cement into the ground in order to keep this structure here. Um, I don't think this is going to be as temporary as they're saying. It was for the 100th anniversary of Walt Disney's uh, birthday. Mm. Oh, we're talking about Walt Disney's hat? Sort of. So it's the sorcerer's hat. Oh, okay. Um, Which was... That's what sorts you into houses for Harry Potter, is a sorcerer's hat? I mean, I know it's a sorting hat, but I assume it has some sorcery on it. It's, again, the, the just the pointy hat. Sti- same style. This one's blue. Have you ever seen Fantasia, Sorcerer's Apprentice? Maybe. With the sorcerer, um, Yensid, which let, I'm going to tell you is Disney backwards, just in case you didn't. Is Mickey Mouse in it? Because I feel like I've seen yes. a Mickey Mouse. With the brooms? Yeah. Yeah, that. Okay. The hat the hat that he's wearing um, is the sorcerer's hat. Okay. Because he's the sorcerer's apprentice. The sorcerer is Yensid. Shouldn't the sorcerer have... The sorcerer's hat? Why does the sorcerer's apprentice have the sorcerer's hat? That's honestly the entire point of the, the like, short video. Okay. Is kind of, like, steals it, and he's like, oh, look, I can do all this magic now. That's So it, it is the sorcerer's hat. It's just the sorcerer the apprentice, Um, as I would assume most apprentices, including myself, if I were in that situation, would go, mine. Well, I mean, what happens if I put it on? <laughs> mine. Besides the fact that it's a hat, just in general. Anyway, getting around to the question part of this, if the sorcerer's hat was, uh, if you were to put a size on it, right? Like, uh, my hats are usually seven and a quarter. Yeah. What size would the sorcerer's hat be? Or would have been, I guess, since it no longer, they dismantled it and took it down. So the one that was built, not the one that Mickey Mouse is wearing. Correct. Okay. Ooh, uh, probably like a 20 and a half. I assume it was a giant thing. It was able to fit a bunch of kiosks. Yeah, 20 and a half seems reasonable. And then it was the like kind of sort of information pin collecting center, which also if you've never been to Disney, pin collecting and pin trading is a huge thing. Which Disney? Both of them. I've done it in both and it's a huge thing. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm guessing 20 and a half is kind of low. Uh, 102.5. All right, we're getting closer. About six times larger. 605 and seven eighths. The seven eighths is important because I think it's funny well otherwise this would be boring <laughs> exactly if you were to just give you a round number ah uh-uh. no we're, we're going for the exact number here all of this information by the way is from allears.net which is a disney fan run website and they have a ton of disney facts and stories and such so it's a disney wikipedia pretty much it's fantastic i i've i may or may not have been down a rabbit hole are you a contributor no okay just a user yes yeah, I just use it. Also, if Mickey, proportionally, were to wear the hat, and it would, you know, fit the same way as it did in Sorcerer's Apprentice, which, by the way, is from, what year? Oh, I... 1940s, Fantasia. 1996 was gonna be my guess. I mean, no. They did a remake in, I think, 2001. I forget the year they did the remake. I feel like I've seen the remake. I don't think I've seen the original. I mean, it's the same, essentially. It's, it's good. They just updated graphics. Yeah, they just kind of made it look a little bit better and made it more of a fanfare. 
Mm. But yeah, no, I it, I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, but how tall would he be? How tall would Mickey Mouse be or the hat? Uh, Mickey Mouse, if he were to wear the hat that, that was in MGM. Uh, I'm going to go with like seven feet. Oh, wait. If he were to wear the 600 hat? 605 and 7 eighths hat. Uh, 4.3 miles? Uh, 350 feet. So this thing is massive. I really appreciate that they listed how many washers were used. Ooh, how many? Uh, 26,986. Ooh. These people go in tents. Yeah, well, 926,985, it wouldn't have been secure. It would not have been. However, there were about, sorry, there were exactly half the number of bolts as washers, which makes sense. Each bolt had two washers. Well, how it, okay, yeah. I got confused by my 85. I was like, wait, but you said an odd number of washers. No, you, you said the odd. If they, they didn't have two washers per bolt, not have been secure. That one bolt would have just ruined all of the, uh... All of the 91 panels that they used to put it together. So you said they took it down in 2015. Where is it now? Dismantled. Just in storage in Disney dismantled? Either that or a landfill. Oh, that seems like a waste. Yeah, well, again, they had to put, like, cement into the ground and all that. Like, it was a... It was a full structure it's kind of hard to they could move it okay i was about to say it would be hard to move it but before this was the uh icon of the mgm park it was the um earful tower that sounds like a bad pun it is it's it's um it's just a water tank with mickey mouse ears on it however that was in like the backstage area and so most guests couldn't really use it uh or like see it and so they wanted something that could be seen all around one of the iterations for the sorcerer's hat originally was apparently to have it essentially in front of the park instead of inside and the ears to be ferris wheels and i think that would have been a much better it seems like a much better use right like the thing that people didn't like about the sorcerer's hat was that it blocked uh, it looked out of place in the 1940s-esque you know hollywood park because it's supposed to be hollywood's golden age which was 30s and 40s which is also why kind of fantasia fits in a little bit there but like they didn't like it because it blocked the chinese theater and it felt out of place put it outside the park you can still see the chinese theater which is what it is now but ferris wheels like that's fantastic i think we need to start a campaign to uh have them remake the sorcerer's hat uh, apparently it would have been twice as tall so we need to i think we need to start a campaign to remake the sorcerer's hat but make the ears ferris wheels i mean you can start that gofundme i don't think disney needs the funding well i thought you were gonna build it or you want to peer pressure disney because I... peer pressure disney but i feel like you starting a gofundme has a better chance of succeeding than peer pressuring disney yeah disney don't care yeah they're, they're making billions on disney well Plus. i mean the, they got enough pressure to take it down they didn't want to be most uh most speculation says that they didn't want to take it down uh, and they put up in front of the Chinese theater in the first place is because they don't own the image of the Chinese theater. They can't really trademark it. Yeah. So they don't want to, you know, use it as their, this is the park, you know, like you would use the castle or use the tree of life. So at this point, the de facto image I would say is probably Tower of Terror. Hmm. Never gone on there because I hate heights and it's just a vertical drop. So no. Yeah, honestly, I think Tower of Terror is why I'm not a huge fan of elevators. And the building we work in, the most recent built elevator breaks about every day. The jankiest elevators are the ones that actually work. Like, I don't think those have ever been shut down, but the, like, nice-looking one gets shut down, like, once every other month. Ah, uh, that's been way more frequent than that. People wonder why I take the stairs in the in there. Well, I, got, I gotta work my, uh, my legs. Yeah, I mean, I've gotta get my yearly exercise in. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm... I'm never going to have a transition from a sorcerer's hat. Uh, so we'll just talk about a magic bird. So we'll just magically trans mm -hmm. transition? Yeah. Got it. To a, to a magic bird. A flamingo. Because that was also in Fantasia. Uh, no, it is actually a hooded... Um, oh, I, I did... I'm pulling a U again. I can't pronounce these words. Um, it's a hooded... Pitohu? P-I-T-O-H-U-I. Uh, okay. It is the first documented poisonous bird. Okay, and poisonous, not venomous. Yes. Got it. Poisonous. What country do you think this bird lives in? Australia. Like, that's just going to be the first guess anytime you talk about a ridiculously 
dangerous animal is uh, not Australia. That surprises me. All right. It might be very close to Australia. New Zealand? Uh, other side of Australia. The Philippines. A little, little. Indonesia. No. Right next to Indonesia. It's a very tiny country. Papua New Guinea. Is that on that side? Yep. <laughs> it shares an island with Indonesia, right? Yep. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. So this bird was established and found on the Papua New Guinea side of the island. So it's Papua New Guinea. Yeah. Understood. <laughs> and it's clearly a bird, so it can't go to the other side of the island. No, it cannot. Obviously, we know that birds uh, cannot move places. They cannot migrate. Oh, wait. Yeah, so uh, when it was first discovered, they were kind of confused for why it is poisonous. I was going to say, question. How did, they, how did they discover that it was poisonous? The scientist was went to Papua New Guinea to, like, photograph birds and he caught it in his net to take its photo and getting out of the net it scratched him and it hurt more than it should so then he tried to you know do what you, do, you do what you do and you get a cut and you like put your mouth to it to get some of the stinging out and then his tongue went numb that's how they determined it was poisonous <laughs> the locals knew it as poisonous because they said it's a bad bird you don't don't hunt that one i mean again the entire point of being poisonous is so that animals don't want to kill you because you're not worth eating but it's a bird so it can it can fly that is typically what birds do not all of them but typically like why why does it need to have poison it also doesn't generate the poison itself. It gets it from the environment. I was about to say, I was wondering if it was like, it had the poison itself or if it was just on its outs, like on the talons or whatever. Nope, it's part of its diet is where it gets it from. It eats a beetle that has a neurotoxin and that's one of its main food sources. It's the same neurotoxin that is in a poison dart frog in South America. I would say that's pretty effective in terms of making me not want to eat it. Just in a much lower concentration. Either way, uh, it's still very effective in making me not want to eat it. it it's only two main like animals that want to eat it are uh, like a green python, green tree python, and a brown tree snake. I'm sorry. Snakes in trees. Why? Why do they have to do that to us? Snakes can climb trees. I know. I don't like it. There was a huge black snake at my house at one point, like six feet long, and it just climbed up a tree and just stared at us at eye level. And I was like, yeah, you got the intimidation there. You win. It pulled the power move and it won. It, yeah, no, that's that's a fact. It, it, I had a standoff with it and um, yep, it won. I do enjoy though how it was <laughs> discovered poisonous. It scratched me and it hurt more than a scratch should. And then I ate it and went, Huh, that's some bad blood. And I also like how it's, uh, world discovers first poisonous bird. Talk to the locals. Yeah, you idiot. Yeah, we know that's a bad one. We, have you seen our diet? We don't even go for that one. Again, which means that it's effective in its purpose of making sure you don't want to eat it. Yeah, a uh, common quail, I believe, can also be poisonous. Quail, that's rough. You have to prepare it properly. <laughs> how, how do you properly prepare a quail? I assume you have to properly pluck all the feathers. Sorry, how do you properly pluck a poisonous pail? quail well by the time you're doing that it's dead so you probably just have to remove all the feathers which is where the poison is even in this bird it's in its feathers so it's positively protected unless you pluck the feather yeah well and then the other thing I st it doesn't seem like a good defense mechanism because they did studies on how effective its level of poison would be because it's a much lower concentration than the frog mm -hmm. it i mean the snakes prefer to go for ones that don't have poison but they're still relatively fine like it doesn't Yep. Really affect them that much. However, I don't know. It's being, if something, if you, if you need to eat something desperately enough, you will. However, if there are choices and one has created an adaptation to make itself the least viable option, that feels like that's going to survive a little bit better than the ones that are more viable. Seems like they just made a slight barrier. I mean, that's really all a bike lock is and bike locks are very effective. It's, uh, that, that's why your mini fridge is no longer in your room. Yeah, the slight barrier of having to look at my door, it being closed, and go, it's not worth walking over there. <laughs> yeah. Versus when it was right behind me, and I could just lean back, 
and eat seven freezy pops. I mean, it's not like you can. There's about zero calories per popsicle. So you're saying I should put it back in my room? It's flavored water ice. Flavored sugar water ice. Uh, that's true. A lot of sugar in it. It was pretty sweet having it here. Yeah, but that barrier. You you need the barrier high enough where you won't do it, but not too high where you can still get it. Right. Yeah, I don't need to run an American Ninja Warrior track in order to get some Freezy Pop, but also, like, maybe not just lean behind me. I don't know. If we set that up, you'd probably do it. Honestly, I probably would get Freezy Pops more often if I... Had if that was the reward for doing a American Ninja Warrior course. Sign up for American... Why what are you putting at the end? It's a freezy pop. He'll, he can only do it if we reward him. Yeah, well, so one of my friends actually did that, like was on the show and everything. And seeing him... Yeah, there's no way I could ever do that. Uh-uh. We're not, we're not nearly in good enough shape. I don't have nearly enough any part of my body strength and agility. Yeah, no. I don't know. On that show, I feel like most of the people aren't very big. He's also not big. He's just, there's a difference between being big and being toned, athletic, and having a good sense of balance. If I train for long enough, I could probably do. But if, it's definitely one of those shows where you go, I could probably do some of those. And then you see somebody that's actually competed on the show and you go, never mind. Ah, never mind. I now know why I, 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 I mm. Yeah, that looks like it's to get from where I am to where they are. That's going to take a lot of effort. And we don't have the time for that. We don't have the time for anything. Yeah. So my second fact involves Morse code. Oh, okay. How much do you know about Morse code? Beep, 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 long beep, long beep, long beep, 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 beep. That's all I got. And that means? Uh, nothing. It, it, it's SOS, but that's all I know is SOS doesn't actually mean save our ship or anything. It was just quick to type. Yep, which when you do that, right? Beep, 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 three long beeps, three short beeps. Um, that's a lot, right? For three letters. Mm -hmm. Because each beep is essentially one unit of time. Each space is one unit of time. And each bar is either two or three, depending on who you ask. And somehow that's the only, that was the quickest thing to type if you were in distress. Not the quickest, but the most easily recognized as, uh, it's essentially the same as how lol, LOL, mm -hmm. right? Technically means laughing out loud, but what it really means is I found that humor enough, humorous enough to pity you and tell you that it was funny. I don't think I have ever once sent the word lol in a text or anything. But it's the same idea. Yeah. So if you were to go through all of the letters. All 26 of them? Yes, in Morse code. And you were to try to figure out, in theory, you'd want the shorter symbols to be used for the... More common letters. Thank you very much. I'm brain fart. So uh, R, S, T, L, and E. Theoretically, right? So if you were to go through, how efficient do you think Morse code is in terms of the letters for American Morse code, in terms of the code to the letter, you know, the shorter code being for the most oftenly used letter versus if you were to redo it and make it as efficient as possible, how efficient do you think current Morse code is? Okay, is this on a scale of like one to a hundred? Yeah, percent wise. Percent wise, 50%. Uh, higher. Oh. Significantly. Oh, is it actually like 98? 91% efficient. So what, they switch two letters? Uh, it, it's a few letters that kind of would be switched. Which ones? So, let's see. The, mo uh, this is according to, uh, John D. Cook Consulting at johndcook.com. I'm glad he hired himself as a consultant. I think this is theoretically more of like a, look, I know statistics and, um, I can do statistic stuff. Yeah. Well, that's actually one of the things they teach you for, or not teach you, but tell you if you want to get into data scientist is do essentially a couple blog posts or whatever, basically just proving that you can do it, especially if you don't come from a data science background, um, just to show that, you know, look, I, I do know what I'm talking about when I say that I can do statistical analysis or when I say I can scrape words and such. I'm not an idiot. Yeah. You won't have to teach me as much. So uh, what you did is we went through all of them. 
based on the letters in uh, Google's research, like the frequency, okay. and found that the most frequently used letter is E, obviously. Yeah, that's a... You're gonna want that one to be uh, short. What's that? Is that just like a single short beep? It's a dot. Yeah. So they did that well. That's uh about twelve and a half percent of the letters. Is E? Is E? Okay. Essentially used in normal writing. That's that's a lot. Next is at nine percent is T, which is a dash, so three units, which is you know pretty good. They did well. Then there's A, O, I, N, S, so on and so forth. Yeah, I know E and S are very common because one of my old computers, those keys broke. So I just had to keep mashing them until they would type, and then I just had a copy and pasted ES. So every time I had to type an ER and S, I had to copy, paste, and delete the letter I didn't need. It was quite annoying. <laughs> I can I can imagine S. It was more annoying when the password to get into the computer when I was at home was home. Hey, 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 hey. I feel like you get a new keyboard at that point. Uh, eventually I did turn it into the school to fix that and then I got it back and all my colors were negative. That's good, <laughs> right? Negative tests are good. I guess it's really weird though when you look at pictures, like you go onto Facebook and everything is like the negative image. It's kind of creepy. You can just turn your computer into negative mode. Yeah, I don't know how they did it. So theoretically that would reverse it, right? Uh, but yeah, anyway, um, some that were very inefficient. One of probably the most in inefficient is O. Uh, that does actually seem rather long three long dashes yeah so this is using a dash as two and a, a space so three total units okay it's so it's nine units long and it's the fourth most commonly used letter at 7.6 percent is i hope they did z efficiently z and q should be very efficient q was very efficient it's 0.12 percent and it is 10 which is the longest yeah but we who who's using a q qatar well who came up with morse code i'm guessing uh morse and that sounds english Samuel Morse. Yep. So uh, I don't think he cared about Qatar. <laughs> yeah, actually, what? So what he did? Uh, this was going to be the question, but I thought this is a bit me. Did I ask a question? Yes. How efficient was Morse code? Okay, good. Because this was going to be the question I was going to ask, and then I thought that it was kind of mean. How he essentially tried to figure out what? Because he, he he and Vale. He so Morse and Vale. Well, I feel bad for Vale. I just thought it was Morse. Vale was the money bag. How did it get not named after the money bags then? That's usually what you're donating the money for is to the naming right marketing but anyway i uh, went down to like the local newspaper printer and what they did is they counted how many letters the printer had on stock or how many so for old printers what you used to have to do is put all the letters in a in a row yeah and then you right? ink it up slap some ink on it and then put the paper down press it yeah so you need an, a new letter every time you want to use that letter yeah so in like the end you need two e's so what they did is they counted the number of blocks that had each letter and based on that they figured okay this company obviously has been using needing letters for a long period of time, they've probably figured out the frequency without figuring out the frequency. Yeah. And so they went through and established um, the frequency based on the number of individual blocks. So what, I guess what the, uh, the moral, or not moral, but what the lesson is, is that the news or the, the printer that they were using was 91% efficient with its uh with its block usage. That's good. Yeah. I'm glad they only did this with one print shop instead of, you know, multiple to, you know, check their numbers. Well, I, so the other part of this is that while in normal, English language, right? It was 91% efficient. Yeah. As you mentioned, SOS, right? That's not normal English language, but that would be normal for a telegraph because yeah. also telegraphs would charge you theoretically per word or per, per letter. So if you could shorten things, the idea was you should, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you shorten them, you're no longer using normal English words. And so the frequency changes. So honestly, uh, while this is how it is in normal English language, what might be more telling is sort of like with text messages, right? All of the shorthands for when you had to hit the, you know, the button four times in order to get to the queue 
or the the S. You got so good at knowing which the, where your hand was in like one two three four one two three one two one one. Yeah, which is uh, theoretically the same idea as a telegraph operator, right? You get it's just the mem- muscle memory. Yeah. But you don't want to hit the thing four times, right? So you shorten everything as much as possible. Same idea. So it honestly might be interesting to go through like text messages. Do do an analysis with texting English. Yeah, of like how often they're used and how it corresponds. I mean, theoretically, you could also do the same with uh, their like codexes for like for Morse code. Like, you think anyone's written this program already, or most likely, I I didn't find it. So honestly, I might I might do that in the next few weeks of just find some find some text messages, scrape some code, and see what I get, or scrape some. Website, see what I get. You're a, you're at home project. Yeah, I mean, it might take a couple weeks because again, we've established that don't have time for much of anything. But like theoretically, like CQ is Morse code, common Morse code for the beginning of a message of Hey, is anybody listening? Yeah, essentially, there's 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 codes for a lot of different things. Well, it'd be sad if you did that and you don't, no, no one's listening. You just hear nothing back. That's when you move to SOS. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the that's the transition moment. Where are you? No, I just want someone to talk to. Or R is I'll receive. AS, stand by, so on and so forth. Um over and out? Yeah. And then also you with all of this, you don't even get into the idea of if obviously say I have this codex in front of me of assigning what the individual letters mean, mm-hmm. that means you're gonna na- now need to um use cryptography to encode your message which then changes the frequency even more. Yeah. But main lesson is that uh, for everyday words, they did really well. <laughs> main lesson is they picked a good print shop. They did. They did. Well, you you will be shocked to learn that I also have a fact that we did statistical analysis with. Ooh. On 538.com. That seems like the website we'd go to for that. The article is titled, A Statistical Analysis of the Work of Bob Ross. I'm in. Things I learned during this. Did not know that Bob Ross died in 1995. When? Was I ever alive when Bob Ross was alive? I, don't, I didn't look up when, but I just, I had no idea. I thought he was still alive. Oh, no, I knew he died. I just thought he died in like early 2000s. But they went through and he painted 361 works of art on his PBS show. Okay. How many happy little trees is that? Well, the tree gets a little complicated here. My question is going to be, what percentage of them had a happy cloud, a happy little cloud. Ooh. I don't think I've ever watched an episode for more than 15 minutes. By the way, 91% had at least one tree. Yes! Oh, were they happy? All they, all of them happy? Uh, they don't specify happy. Boo. But 91% had one tree, 85% two trees. At least or? At least. Okay. When was he just putting one tree on it? So 6% of his paintings have one tree. <laughs> and how many, pa- how many did he do? 361. So that's about 18, 19 paintings that just have one tree yep wow i'm gonna go with 87 percent. it's actually uh lower 69 percent. only 44 percent of the paintings have a happy little cloud how many of them have a sad little cloud sorry sad big cloud um 21 percent because 21 percent have cumulus clouds which are big clouds so it's because it's a happy little cloud and cumulus clouds are the rainstorm clouds so that would be a sad big cloud yeah <laughs> Uh, 2% have a bridge and cliff. <laughs> and cliff? That's a that's an oddly specific combination. Oh, sorry. No, 2% bridge, 2% cliff, 2% palm tree, and 2% flowers. Question. Was the palm tree included in the trees previously? Probably. Okay. <laughs> There's probably one painting with palm trees if it's 2%. That's about eight. Only 3% were done at nighttime. Like he painted them at nighttime or the scene was done at nighttime? The, the scene is nighttime. I mean, that, that makes sense. It's hard to say, and we're going to put a happy little spooky shadow over here. The article says, he didn't paint oaks or spruces. He painted happy trees. He favored almighty mountains to peaks. Once he once he painted one tree, he didn't paint another. He painted a friend. Yeah. 
because you need friends. That's like um, in lab, you have to get all the air bubbles out of the syringe um, because air is bad when everything's under nitrogen or when you're trying to do precise measurements. And so I was like, all right, and now what we want to do is make the air bubbles join their friends at the top so we can shove them out. Question. How many animals? Uh, I think zero. <laughs> okay, that's kind of what I figured. <laughs> I don't think once did he paint an animal. How many had water? What type of water? Okay, uh, rivers. 9% had the ocean. Oh, okay. I guess palm trees makes sense. Only 22 had man-made structures. 34 had a lake. Most of them were probably all log cabins or bridges. I think they're entirely log cabins. <laughs> yeah, there's probably one that isn't or else they would have said cabin. So, like, there's probably one, like, skyscraper randomly. Yeah. For your rivers, 33%. That's actually higher than I would have expected. Lakes. 30, and 34% had a lake. How many had a lake and a river? I didn't do that. And I don't want to have to do that math. But there's a low chance there. Really? I kind of would have figured that a lake or a stream would lead into a, or a lake. Well, well, there was a 93% chance that he painted a second tree, given that he painted a first. Wait. So, for 7% of those trees... He just didn't give them a friend. That's just mean. Might have been his earlier paintings. When he was still coming off of being a drill sergeant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, apparently when he, uh, so he had the like perm um, afro thing and he said that it was one of the worst decisions he ever made. Because he had to keep it. Then he had to keep it. Yep. Because all of his promotional stuff, like all the paints and all that kind of stuff were with the afro. Yeah. Um. He, so he died July 4th, 1995. So he, we were alive at the same time as Bob Ross. So, it's an American treasure right there. He died on the 4th, Jefferson died on the 4th, Madison died on the same 4th as Jefferson? Yeah, Madison. His paintings are selling for between $8,000 and $10,000 online. That checks out. I know multiple people have said they've painted along with it, and like, it's very easy to paint along with it, and at the end you get a painting that you actually like. Like the, the guitar ocean island thing that I'd made, yeah. that I painted, was because of I essentially just went with things that Bob Ross had said in videos and just kind of went with it. You did give the trees friends, so that's good. I did. Uh, yeah. And I made like reflections and then I, I like made the reflection and then kind of like kind of tried to erase it, if that makes sense, to like blur it out. Yeah. Like I, I made I made birds and then made the birds below kind of blurred as well. Like they're very useful for being for being able to paint a thing and enjoying what you painted. TP shows used to be so much nicer. Bob Ross was painting happy little clouds. Mr. Ross. Rogers always said that he was feeding his fish because a blind viewer asked him if the fish was okay. Popeye was kicking the crap out of some people. So much nicer. But he was telling us to eat spinach. He was saying he eats his spinach. I don't, I don't know that he ever said that you should eat your spinach. He just said, I eat my spinach. No, it, he was promoting if you eat your vegetables, you can have weird arm muscles. So much more peaceful. It was a, more, it was a simpler time. Simpler time when there were happy trees and spinach-induced steroids. That's what all the baseball players should have been doing. They should have just eaten straight spinach. I think that's what they do now. So, kids at home, make sure you uh, eat your lettuce. Thank you for listening to this statistics and math inspired Hats All We Know episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you didn't, I get it. Math's not everybody's thing. Also, we're not everybody's thing, which also get that. But I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you had fun. If you didn't, send it to your math-hating enemies. Win-win. You get to laugh at them not liking math. They get to hate math. It's win-wins for everybody. And if you did like it, you can follow us on social media at Hats All We Know on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also leave us a review or just subscribe to the podcast so you get all of our future episodes. We release them every Monday at 2 a.m. 2, 2 a.m. now. You... Eastern Standard Time, so if you're not Eastern Standard Time, uh, if you Google my time zone to Eastern Standard Time 2 a.m., you'll you'll figure out. That's true. If the, on the West Coast, it might actually be released Sunday. Yeah, we might be coming to you Sunday. Look at that. We time travel.
We time travel here at the Hats All We Know podcast. We time travel in talking about math. Mm-hmm. Math, not meth, math. Sorry, when, yeah, well, the maths. Yeah. And to wrap it up, one last David pun. I feel like I haven't really been doing puns, just more fun wordplay. Is that not a pun? Well, hopefully you enjoyed this magical episode. Have fun.